Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Tony Morrison, The Pieces I Am, offers an artful and intimate meditation on the life and works of a legendary storyteller and Nobel Prize winner. From her childhood in the steel town of Lorraine, Ohio, to her 70s-era book tours with Muhammad Ali, from the front lines with Angela Davis, to her writings, her own riverfront writing room, Toni Morrison leads an ensemble of her peers, critics, and colleagues in the exploration of race, America, history, and the human condition. The film is called Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am, and we're joined today by the director, photographer, artist, and that would be Timothy Greenfield Sanders. Timothy, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. This is a, a, a film about a woman who is, in some ways, exceedingly well-known, certainly in literary circles. And she's known, I think, in the in sort of popular culture uh, by virtue of her um, one of her primary sort of uh, cheerleaders, patrons, and that would be Oprah Winfrey, but there's an awful lot we don't know about her, and I'm just kind of, what was the impetus, what was your sort of catalyst for wanting to do a documentary about Toni Morrison? I first uh, met Toni 38 years ago, so it's a long friendship uh, with one of the most important literary figures of our time, if not of all time, Uh, Toni... came into my studio in New York in 1981. I was a very young, kind of starting out photographer of shooting for the Soho News, and I did her portrait. Of, she was smoking a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and we became friends at that, that day. And I continued as a photographer to become her kind of go-to photographer. And we did portraits for book covers and press and things like that. And you know, I would say she was always a great inspiration to me. Um, that's uh, a kind of ability of privilege to know someone like her. In 2005, we jump ahead, she and I were having lunch in my studio doing portraits for an opera she'd written libretto for called Margaret Garner. And Tony had an idea to do a book on black divas because she'd met so many for the mm-hmm. opera. And that idea became The Blacklist. That was the beginning of nine films I did on identity, starting with uh, Tony as the first to sit for it. And she really inspired it and kind of uh, was the guinea pig for how I was going to shoot it. Was her reaction to you approaching her about doing this, what, what, what did she, uh, what was her initial reaction? She didn't say no, <laughs> which is <laughs> a big deal because Tony is a very decisive person. And, you know, she, I think, had a lot of trust in me. She had, she knew my team very well. She had just around that time done an introduction. She had written an introduction and read it for the, for the women's list film I did. And she knew my producer, Tommy Walker. She was mm-hmm. comfortable with all the people I worked with, I think. And I felt... 
I think her biggest concern was how much time it would take away from her own work. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I look back at it, it's a it's astounding and a miracle that I, I got permission to do it because she's a very private person who does not allow a biography or she doesn't want to write an autobiography. She really uh, doesn't do that kind of thing. She even says so in the film. She says, I, 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 yeah, this is unusual for me to want to talk about myself. And, and, and certainly in this. Well, in she this says part. in the film, she describes um, how there's really two people. There's Chloe, which is her birth name, and, and then there's Tony, which is kind of her saint's name. She, she, Chloe was too difficult for people, so she started using Tony. And when she got married, it became Morrison. So there's Tony Morrison and there's Chloe Wofford. And she said, one of them is the person who's out there, and the other doesn't do documentaries. Yeah, how how would you describe her writing for for people in the audience who who may not be familiar with her? They may be familiar with her name, but aren't familiar with her literary work. The the uh, the most important thing to understand is that Tony has always written from the point of view unapologetically. Uh, of African Americans. It's never um, through the white gaze, as she calls it, which is the kind of white person's view of everything. She, she talks about in the film having a little white man. Uh, she said Jimmy Baldwin, she calls him Jimmy, but James Baldwin <laughs> used to say there was a little white man sitting on your shoulder watching everything you do and, 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 and critiquing you and observing you. And once you knock him off, you can be free. And I think that's really... Uh, in a way, is a kind of perfect analogy of kind of how she approaches writing, that she's writing from her point of view as a black person. It, her journey to becoming a writer, how she got there, is a fascinating part of the film, and I'm going to leave most of that, if not all of it, to, to the viewers to, to discover. But she, the, the sort of what comes across to me in watching her and, watch, and, and seeing her the story, the out, broad outlines of her, her her life story, is that she seems to be able to focus and be uh, very determined to move forward on whatever front it might be, whether as an editor, which she becomes, whether or not as a mother or a writer. She seems to not let things throw her off her her trajectory. Is that a fair way to put it? I think it's very accurate. And, you know, what we do in the film is to show that this person, Toni Morrison, is not just the Nobel Prize winner, that she is someone who had an enormously important career as an editor at Random House, where she brought uh, many, many other voices, particularly women of color, into a very white building, a white establishment building, and got them published. And, you know, people like Angela Davis and Tony K. Bambara and Muhammad Ali, and and she really, in a sense, created a lot of the literature, a lot of the study, the, the books for black studies in America, and at a time when it was a, just after the Civil Rights Movement and into kind of the Black Power Movement, and very, very heady times in America. And she's also, of course, doing this while she's a single mother of two boys, and having to teach, and and then also somehow managing to write her books. And that's just an astounding thing to juggle. Yeah. Uh, 
remarkable that anyone could even do, you know, two of those, let alone four of them. Right, right. And all well. And all <laughs> yes. Well, that there you yeah. go. And all very well. She and her yeah. again her story to becoming. Uh, an editor at one of the prestigious uh, publishing houses in the country is is a great story. That's a great part of the story, as well as her her writing, her beginning her career as a writer, and her reluctance to describe herself as a writer. And I, this is this combination. I, I just love uh, people like Toni Morrison who who have overcome a tremendous amount of sort of institutional issues, uh, racism, uh, sort of a, the fact that she's a woman, all these different things. And, and yet, I'm trying to get to the fact that humility, but at the same time, I feel like, no, she, th- that's not humility. She was dealing with institutional issues before she got to the point where she granted herself permission to describe herself as a writer. I think that she's a remarkably uh, strong person. That, that I remember photographing her in 81, her confidence. And I think as a photographer, you you meet someone, you're kind of looking for uh, what's, what you could do to help them feel comfortable on the set. There's always a kind of nervousness on a photo shoot and all those things that, as, as a trained you know, portraitist, that's what I look for. What can I do to, to make this work? And Tony didn't need anything. She walked in, she was cool, she was ready to shoot, you know, she was unusual for for someone like that. Mm-hmm. She was unusual for a subject. To, to, it's unusual for a subject to be so uh, relaxed about something that's very difficult for most people, which yeah. is being photographed. Yeah, what a and remi- that confidence, I think, goes through her life. You see it all the time. You know, there's a kind of strength there that's remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it comes across in the film. She is exceedingly. She's very open. And when I, having made this decision to be in a uh, part of the the process of making this film about her, uh, her, she seems comfortable with that decision. She certainly is open, and and uh, she doesn't seem to hold back in terms of what she wants to say. So that's what comes. That confidence comes across in the film. I think she enjoyed it, actually. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know, um, it was. Um, it was riveting to sit with her because what I what I did here is uh, I had Tony talking directly to camera, and that's something I had been using for years with the list films, which is these direct to camera portraits, which essentially come out of the look of my portraiture, which is a single light source and a very clean gray backdrop and a, and a focus on the person. But what I did here was I had Tony talking direct to camera, but all the other interviewees. Angela Davis, Walter Mosley, Oprah, etc., are looking off camera. So it allows the audience to kind of feel like they they know Tony. She's talking directly to them, and the others are talking about her. Right, right. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Timothy Greenfield Sanders, the director of this documentary called Tony Morrison, The Pieces I Am. You're also, as you alluded to, a uh, a photographer, and uh, it, and that seems to, as you just described, sort of infuses your life as a filmmaker as well, um, in terms of your perspective and the style in which you chose to uh, to shoot this film. The um, 
I want to let people know they can find out about the film in more detail by going to TonyMorrisonFilm.com. It is in theaters now. It's in Los Angeles right now. And I want to let people also know that the film is screening here in Orange County, which is where we're sitting, where I'm sitting, at the Edwards University Town Center. So um, you can also see it there as well. So, And you can go, again, go to TonyMorrisonFilm.com to find out more. I spent a few years in Los Angeles. I went to the American Film Institute when I was uh, out of college. I went to graduate school there. And I was going to be a filmmaker. But it was there that I fell in love with portraiture and and really for the next 20 years took portraits. It wasn't until my first film, which was on Lou Reed, that I kind of got back into filmmaking. What was it uh, about moving back to New York that appealed to you? Uh, so my wife finished her, her three years at UCLA Law School and wanted to move back to New York, where she was from. Okay. And I didn't have much of a career at that point, so I was happy to go back, and I started taking portraits in New York of the, kind of the people I knew who were artists. And I and I had my first exhibition of portraits of the abstract expressionist painters, and then continued to really shoot the art world. And all of those, all of, you know, that love of the art world, you can see in the film as well, because I brought in an enormous amount of, of art by African American artists uh, that we use in the film. Yeah, yeah, and I just wanted to let our listeners know some of the other films that you have directed and, and produced as well. Lou Reed, you mentioned it. Lou Reed, Rock and Roll Heart, The Blacklist, The Latino List, The Outlist, uh, The Boomer List, The Women's List, The Trans List, and, and others. Um, the reaction from Toni Morrison, um, when did you, were you sitting with her when she watched the, the film for the first time, or did you hand it off to her? I was. I, okay. I showed her the film, and she turned to me, and she said, I like her. <laughs> 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 I think that's the best answer I've heard. I've asked this question a couple of times. I think that's the best answer I've heard. I think it is too. Uh, uh, yeah. Again, I'm going to go back and assume that some of our our audience, like they may know her name, but some of the books that she's written and quite a bit of the film, uh, there's references back to some of her earlier work. Uh, but the Bluest Eye is a, a one that uh, garnered an awful lot of attention. Her first. Well, did it garner a lot of attention? Did the bluest eye when it came out? What kind of a what it, kind of a reaction? It, you know, it, it didn't. It had a very small print run of I think four thousand, uh, and but it became such an important book, and it changed lives in many ways. I hear people say when they read I read that book when I was fifteen and it changed my life, and it went on to become very very published and 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 controversial. It often gets banned by you know silly. <laughs> cities around the country where they think it's not appropriate for teenagers to read it. But, uh, you know, her probably her most famous book is Beloved, which Oprah then made into a film as well. Right. Yeah, just to name a couple other ones, Sula, Tar Baby, Paradise, and Song of Solomon, which uh, was the winner of the National Book Critics Circle Award and um, seemed to propel her into a sort of another strata of of regard for her work although by that time she was very well very well regarded by the time um song of solomon came out but nonetheless and then it allowed her to retire from from uh editing i mean she says that after song of solomon she was able to write full time 
So it gave her that commercial success gave her the ability to kind of really focus on her writing. And there's uh, you mentioned some of the people in the film. There's some terrific people. One of my all-time favorite people in public life is Angela Davis. I have incredible respect for Amazing. her. Amazing. Yeah. I don't know if... I assume there's been a documentary about Angela Davis. I'm just guessing there must have been. I think by... there is. I've always... I, it was always uh, something I would like to have done. <laughs> but I think there is one. Yeah. Uh, she's a friend of Tony's from the early days. Tony uh, convinced her to write... Um, her autobiography when when Angela was 28 years old, yeah, and and you know around the time of all of the unrest and and Angela was uh, uh, on trial, all of that stuff, and Tony and she became friends and are friends to this day. She's an amazing woman, and I again, I you just mentioned just some of the travails that Angela Davis has been through, and I as much as I have been, I was around when all of that that crazy was going on around her and the really the blatant attempt to silence her by by incarceration was just despicable and I think back on on the American system back then and what it what it is or what it, what it was and continues in many ways to be but uh, also in the film uh, Fran Leibowitz who's always good uh, in, in in whatever she's doing but certainly when talking about a good friend of hers like uh, Toni Morrison Oprah Winfrey you mentioned Walter Mosley. There's a number of really wonderful people in the film who not only have tremendous respect and admiration for the work that Tony has done, but also there's a, just a warmth that comes across in every single person who's on screen to talk about her. It's a real genuine uh, um, regard for her. And just want to single out one other person. And I, I think it's uh, Robert um, Gottlieb, who was her boss, when her she editor. Her editor. Yes. yes. That's right. Editor. Yes. Yeah. And and encouraged her in, in I guess in very, very important ways, uh, to pursue her life as a writer. Yes, yeah. He he was a, a, he is still a tremendous figure in the literary world. He was a, he's also the editor for uh Robert Caro, who wrote all the great books on Lyndon Johnson and um Robert Moses. And uh Gottlieb and, and I think has edited all of Tony's books except for the first one, yeah. for The Blues Die. Well, uh, this is just a, a fantastic documentary, and um, I'll just tell people who are listening, if you care about this stuff, it's I think it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. The acclaim has been universal yeah. uh, across the board, and it is such a... It's such a comfortable watch, and uh, it it just... I love the way you opened it. You're in, your, in the un- introduction, we're seeing a number of puzzle pieces put together that sort of run through her life and 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 different aspects of her life i just thought it was a really creative way to get us into what you were hoping to accomplish with this film and i i I just look great that's a uh, beautiful beautiful opening montage by nicolene thomas the the artist who i reached out to and asked if she was interested, and she said, I'm in. (laughs) And, you know, there's a great love for Tony among the art world, and I found that with all of the support that I got from them for the film. Yeah. And how many people she nurtured along the way as an editor... Uh, and 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 all those and all the people that she introduced the world to uh, African American writers and artists who who under her uh, guidance and advice uh, were able and and championing championing them as as artists. It's uh, 
again, she's just a wonderful, I would love to meet her someday and uh, spend time with her. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I'm, I'm very proud of this film and uh, feel so excited by the response it's had, you know, the t- tremendous support from the critics and uh, audiences seem to be loving it too. So you, you come away really feeling that you know her. She's very intimate in this film and it's very moving, I think, that way. It and it yes, and that's how it comes across again. I mean, you just wanna I wanna I wanna give her a big hug if I ever I get the chance. <laughs> um well thank you, Timothy Greenfield Sanders, for your time here today on Film School Radio and for this work. Tony Morrison, the pieces I am and again you can go to TonyMorrisonFilm.com to find out more about it. But uh, my, my, uh, I'm honored to have you on today to talk about this wonderful film. Thank you very much, Timothy. Thank you. It was very enjoyable. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at FilmSchoolRadio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.